very, very, very English. Right? It's very English. I just, I find this woman's work, well, two films in particular, just so incredibly well observed and just so like juicily interesting to watch. Yeah. And they speak to me so much, but I think it's because it is my world. Sure. And potentially Mexico is not quite the same as repressed. Yeah, we, we can talk about the differences between the the cultures, but yeah. Okay, yeah well, tell tell me about this. So repressions don't really... No, there's certainly repression, mm -hmm. but it's different. It's mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, in Mexico is like, if you, if you have an issue with somebody, they'll tell you off pretty quickly mm -hmm. and exactly mm -hmm. what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's not... Emotions is not what is repressed. Mm -hmm. Well, this is an interesting thing because um, we've talked a lot about uh, the idea of, well, a lot of, uh, often we think that a way to, or in the past, a way to overcome capitalism is just to get over repressions, like sexual repressions. But actually, that's just one form of repression. Mm. And we have repressions everywhere. Uh, psychic repressions we repress ourselves and yeah the the repressions on display very obviously in this film or these films are just one form of repression sure and potentially that form of repression allows for less repression elsewhere yeah it's not something that we can escape or overcome yeah um yes yeah so i would say maybe the difference is that i mean at least from my experience in mexico is like you'll you'll have people that will tell you off fairly easily mm-hmm so it's not necessarily that type of communication that is repressed, mm -hmm. but the motives are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you'll eventually just come to terms with the fact that maybe, you know, what you're angry about is because of something else yeah, or yeah. whatever. I mean, it's like pretty yeah. common, but that there is that distinction of like, there's, I think people don't really have an issue with just getting up in your face yeah. and saying, you know. What but actually, yeah, the repression is. is kind of like a degree deeper. Exactly. I know it's funny. There's a, there's a very well observed Twitter feed called very British problems, I think, and it's it kind of you you get you get a gist of what the what the form of cultural repression is in England, this kind of politeness. But once you kind of get the get the system or like the dictionary definitions, the, um, this Twitter feed kind of says when one says um, best at the end of it, an email that means like absolutely fuck you. Yeah. You know when you sign off an email, you know you're like kind regards. <laughs> I hate you so much. You know, so. <laughs> Sent by iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. But um, when you when you understand it, it's not, you can really easily like dictionarily define what's being said or not being said. So yeah. English people find things really obvious. It's coming to America. Mm. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not quite understood in yeah. a way. So should we talk, should I give a, a brief rundown about the film or films in question? Yeah. So technically... Well, this episode is about a film called Archipelago by Joanna Hogg, but I will men uh, mention another film that she made uh, a few years earlier than Archipelago called Unrelated. And the reason why I lump them together is they're structurally very similar. They're set in similar worlds, similar quote-unquote types of people, similar um, theory at play, similar repressions in action. So Archipelago is about a kind of very, we would call it, I guess, upper middle class in the UK, kind of posh family, um, old money family, maybe. Inheritance, yeah. Yeah, in, in the UK, this kind of typical posh family um, who are going on holiday um, as this kind of farewell holiday for the son of the family. The, the two children are kind of grown up 
and they're revisiting a house in the Isles of, Isles of Scilly that they used to visit as children, their family holidays. They are going to have this kind of painting holiday and uh, the father is meant to join them at some stage, but he never arrives. It's this mm. kind of present presence, absence presence of the father, perpetually phoning up the house and the, the mother of the family kind of asking when is he going to turn up and he never does. The son of the family, he has kind of a corporate job, I think it's in banking, and he is um, in his late 20s and he's decided that he must go to Africa to work with AIDS victims. Mm -hmm. So he's at this kind of crisis point, quarter life crisis, disillusionment, and he um, is a vegetarian. Do you think he feels shame because of the inheritance? Potentially. he wants yeah, to go yeah. to Africa. He feels bad for the cook. Well, yeah, uh, there's definitely there's a kind of weird interaction between um, this character played by Tom Hiddleston and uh, they hire a cook for the week, uh, and he can't bear to see the cook working when they're not. So he tries to help her tidy up the kitchen, and she kind of gets frustrated because she says, "Well, what do I do?" Um, he is always making small talk with her. You can't really tell if he's flirting or just trying to be nice yeah. there's this awkward scene uh, where she's cooking lobster for the family and he is a vegetarian is very inquisitive about how these lobsters are getting cooked and how painful it will be for the for the lobsters there's also <laughs> cultural references like the cook um there's a cookery course at Ballymaloo, which is this very typical english people from that background will go on a gap year to learn how to cook and they might do a cookery course at this okay Twee place in Ireland called Ballymun. It's a very good cookery school, but it's it's funny. It's just kind of this world that I yeah. really know. Well, you came from a similar background as the director. She's also the writer. Yeah, or? the writer director. So interestingly, she's I assume from this background. This is so well observed, and her first feature film, unrelated, is just unbelievably incredible. Very similar. It's about a group of families from that background who go on holiday to Italy, rent a villa together, and a woman who is unhappily married who's supposed to be joining her boarding school friend she's probably in her late 40s early 50s at this stage on holiday with her family and other families and uh, she arrives on her own because her husband and her are having kind of difficulties and she um, ends up getting involved with the younger children in the family and um, believes that there might be something with this this kind of cool boarding school kid from the UK it's also played by Tom Hiddleston. It's this very awkward uh, misunderstandings and the explosions of unre eventually unrepressed angers that happen in this holiday home in Italy are just exactly the same as in Archipelago. Yeah. So they're very structurally similar. Yeah. But should we talk a bit about how she films and why maybe you were put off by this film when we were watching? You were like, oh, this is so boring. It's yeah, like well, you... you made it make a little bit more sense to mm -hmm. me when you said that it's a very sort of unattached camera work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't know even if to call it work because mm -hmm. it's just almost like a tripod. There's mm -hmm. no panning. Obviously, the camera doesn't move. Uh, but you've mentioned that it was something sort of like a fly on the wall. Yeah, so you're no, just absolutely. looking into this sort of like interaction between mm -hmm. the family. and But maybe... Maybe there's a difference in like can should an entertaining story that or at least a pop a pop entertaining mm -hmm. story 
can it be repressed? Because this one's obviously repressed and mm-hmm. precisely because of that repression where they're mm-hmm. not communicating their frustrations with each other. Uh, they're just kind of like beating around the bush when it comes to like what they really want to say. Uh, that can be kind of like mind-numbingly just like frustrating. It was like nothing's yeah. really going on. I mean, obviously there's a payoff at the end. Yeah, but, it's know. funny. Well, I think yeah, there's two different types of story. There's um, popular narrative kind of goal-orientated forward-moving narrative and this is slightly different but there is there is you know a narrative structure to it yep. it's interesting i just want to pick up what you, you you use the term beat around the bush oh yeah there is a scene where they go pheasant well pheasants are shot and there are beaters beating in a bush <laughs> so it's really funny and then also yeah. there's a scene you were saying it's interesting there's a scene where this very angry older sister who's very angry with her brother who's throwing everything away and she's very conventional how dare you know everybody else has to work and why is isn't he working and why is he throwing away his future she bites on a uh, a bullet in a pheasant anyway we can talk about the, yeah. the kind of like <laughs> metaphors there but anyway um yeah the, these it's been a long long time since i looked into her technique but i believe what she does is she doesn't really have a script she has a loose treatment written before mm. the filming takes place she goes with actors for a number of months to a place a house she and the actors improvise over a number of weeks the scenes based on given motivations and a camera is just plonked and observes. Yeah. So it's very real in a way that other films that we're going to look at, for example, Blade Runner 2049, are not real. There's also a lot of like... You know, the frame is set up in a way that Mm -hmm. people leave the frame... Mm-hmm. for you know a long time relatively mm-hmm. long time that there's nothing going on and you can only hear people talking from another room mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i thought that was kind of uh kind of interesting i this reminded me actually of i don't know if you saw it roma yeah uh, i did i did Gordon's yeah i did movie. i thought there was very this very interesting shot where there's a the camera is like in a single place yeah, but yeah. it's panning he does that in a lot of his films it's, like yeah it's, children of children, children of men of yeah they yeah. just kind of yeah shots that in which the camera kind of pans and looks at this the world yeah yeah kind of and it, it's interesting roma because like obviously she's a small figure in this grand exactly. kind of cultural narrative yeah yeah i think what i was trying to say is like the the panning has like this sort of uh like this pace mm-hmm, to it mm-hmm. that I think it's it's part of like the 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 middle class family or the upper mm-hmm. middle class family that the I forgot her name but uh, the the one that works with them the mm-hmm, the cleaning mm-hmm, lady mm-hmm. and it has like the the camera has this pace and she's barely within the film the the frame are you talking about Roma or the Roma yeah yeah, yeah. So the camera is like moving and mm-hmm. she barely mm-hmm. reaches to like be in yeah. the frame. Yeah. Like she's cleaning some stuff, mm-hmm. turning lights off and mm-hmm. then like she's almost right out of the frame. Yeah. But this movie mm-hmm. doesn't even have a pace. Like it's, Yeah, no, it's just, it's it's very it's cuz the camera doesn't have a pace. Like the, yeah, they're there on a painting holiday and the the texture of the shots is very painterly, but it's digital. Like I feel like it's 29 frames. The frame it's rate like, is yeah. weird, yeah. It's very kind of like well she used to be a TV director and it has that kind of tv digital look um but it yeah, looks kind of soap opera-ish well that's another thing that's quite interesting yeah. she used to be a soap director she did things like these kind of very basic 
uh, soaps like London's Burning and EastEnders and stuff. So she yeah. she brings this kind of uh, um, kitchen sink drama to a different segment of society. But you know the 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 the, the activity that the family does when they're on holiday is this painting. Yeah. They're very painted. They're very kind of set up like a landscape shots. Mm-hmm. Um, it's overwhelming environment with these kind of insignificant figures in and out of the frame. Yeah. And yeah. it's interesting to me that you're saying that Martin Scorsese financed or like he kind oh, of... Oh, well, his, her latest film, I believe, yeah, after watching Archipelago. Yeah. It's like almost the complete opposite of what Scorsese does. Yeah, I know. Well, actually, I know Martin Scorsese, so his films feel like there's so much footage that it's like so overly edited yeah. down. Like it's like bam, 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 bam. Yeah. yeah. The camera is almost like a character yeah. because it moves very quickly mm-hmm. and everything. And this one doesn't move at all. I don't think yeah. I saw. There's occasional cuts where they obviously did like a a wide shot and yeah. some other shot, but it's kind of rare. Yeah. Yeah. It's mostly just one static camera. But do you think that in this movie, like the camera is repressed? It's repressing from going, following the subjects. Yeah, there's kind of an impotence, definitely. And um, there's kind of this inability to communicate Mm -hmm. uh, between the family, kind of emptiness between the relationships within the family. Very stale. And the father never... The father never turns up, yeah. But the interesting thing with these films is that at a certain point three quarters of the way through both of them there are these utter emotional outbursts Mm -hmm. in unrelated um the father of the character played by tom hiddleston who who plays this very arrogant in in the uk we say public school but public school means private school in in the uk so it's very arrogant private school kid prep school kid who um has gotten high and damaged a car that was being borrowed by the family and he's drinking wine that doesn't belong to him he's just basically an asshole and off screen his father has this enormous explosion of anger you just hear this shouted argument all the other characters are sitting by the pool in the foreground just kind of looking embarrassed yep um, and the same happens in archipelago off screen upstairs this absolute angry outburst by the sister after various unsaid things reach a boiling point. Yeah. And there's no resolution at the end other than they kind of get on and they accept the way things are and they go back to... Yeah. What do you think that... What do you think is the meaning of, like, the... Does it have anything to do with the level of repression that is in the family, the fact that the father isn't there? If you're expecting... If you're expecting sort of, like, the the father to come back Mm -hmm. maybe a lot of problems stay unresolved well it's interesting because yeah what is what is resolution (laughs) no i mean i'm not saying resolution in like a real sense but the hope of resolution well it is interesting because obviously they hope that this father's going to turn up so no argument has been had that insight that gives them insight that he's not going to turn up yeah so yeah there is hope there's never there hasn't been previously some kind of expression of the fact that he's not happy and he's not turning up it's just a not turning up do you rem- did you ever see crimson peak i never saw it no okay well there's a i mean there's you know there's a ghost mm-hmm. and a story and everything that it's like you know kind of scary and everything but guillermo del toro was saying that the real 
the real e- villain mm-hmm. of the story is the absence of the parents. Mm-hmm. So, like, the parents never come mm-hmm. up in the, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what's sort of causing discord mm-hmm. within the brother and sister. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there's some other deeper stuff mm-hmm. that I won't get into. But I wonder if it, like, the absence of the father creates this delegation of mm-hmm. problems that might be resolved but they're not because they're delegated to the father that is obviously never going mm-hmm. to show up mm-hmm. so he's kind of the scapegoat of the of the issues yeah there's, yeah. there's hope that he's going to turn up and yeah when they kind of it's interesting because the the great explosions that happen are kind of based on something completely pointless so in the older sister in um archipelago they have pheasant cooked for dinner one night by the cook Rose and she bites on a bit of shot which is like the bullet that kills the The bird the bird and no one is very sympathetic towards her they were like oh I'm sorry oh dear Mm -hmm. and she that causes her to have this utter utter outburst yeah and yeah it's kind of displaced absolutely displaced I wonder the other thing I was going to say is that perhaps you know the discord is the unsaid and the lack of presence yeah which is easily sort of that's very easily delegated to some absence Mm -hmm. in this case like the father Mm -hmm. through that absence like i think that the resolution of maybe feeling like someone's taking care of you or someone's like watching over whatever happens Mm -hmm. to you like in this case like biting the bullet Mm uh she was hoping that maybe yeah there's someone who's going to yeah be on her side or yeah so i mean should we talk a bit about how repression functions and why it's fascinating and why it's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't know, you know, it's, this is a form of drama um, that revolves around the unsaid. But Mm. I guess it's interesting, you know, you watch something like EastEnders. Do you know anything, when I say EastEnders, do you know what it is? No. So in the UK, and actually this director was a working TV director who directed EastEnders. It's set in a very working class community in East London. It's kind of this really long running um, soap opera in the UK. And it's very over emotional, very full of outbursts, shouting matches, people in great conflict with each other. And it's just interesting, these two oppositional parts of society in the UK, you have a a kind of a soap opera about unrepressed. You know, there's this kind of stereotype of the working class and more earthy and unrepressed. And then this posh family, it's all repression but it's just different ways of dealing yeah with being human yeah do you think that maybe i mean this will be interesting to know about the the way that she writes Mm -hmm. do you think that maybe she has a script oh she doesn't have a script oh like she doesn't have a script yeah and it's interesting because it's all about the unsaid yeah because i was wondering it it would be interesting to like have a script Mm -hmm. maybe a very generous script excessive like very long Mm -hmm. and then ask the actors or the, and the mm-hmm. actresses like repress some of the lines mm-hmm. if you feel like maybe you shouldn't say this and it feels mm-hmm. kind of weird like don't say it so you have like this sort of like incomplete delivery of the script yeah i mean it's interesting yeah about script what is a script as in what counts for things being said mm-hmm. so obviously a lot of acting the majority is in the unsaid and yeah you can totally delete things with just and replacing with just like a look or something. But it's interesting that she, yeah, I feel like she doesn't use a script potentially because it's all about 
yeah, I mean, words about are about being said, and so not having script is it's all yeah. the unsaid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, so I'm kind of like mm. I'm very interested in this because what is the function of repression when it comes to relationships with family? And also, what is the outcome of releasing that repression? We've talked a little bit about how Christopher Nolan says that working with his family mm-hmm. <laughs> allows him because making films are just is like this incredibly yeah, stressful. Yeah, he says like it's the best thing that could have ever be happened honest. to him because you're honest and you say mm-hmm. whatever you want. But mm-hmm. it's obviously a very different dynamic Yeah, that you don't repress what you want to say and you're very honest with, mm-hmm. with each other. But it stings more because you're expecting repression from your family. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because I am this kind of from that background, but my family's very unrepressed and we just completely say to each other what we mm-hmm. want to say, perhaps well, too yeah. honest. So it's my family, but obviously for, you know, the family in Archipelago, it was complete, complete opposite. Complete of that. opposite. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the, the other thing about repression, obviously there are... The, different kinds of repression we've talked about in previous episodes, the idea of primary repression causing language, and we are because of repression, you know, um, we would not be able to create anything without repression. And how almost as an artist, all you're doing is turning your personal repressions (laughs) into um, some kind of beautiful thing. Yeah. Look at like Woody Allen, he manages to just like transform his own personal neurosis into a whole earth so yeah i mean there's something beautiful about this kind of awkward dance between these characters yeah how they have to negotiate um and interact with each other without ever saying anything and it's we don't even know really why they're arguing the dad isn't there okay so that's you know some underlying thing that perhaps is generating a lot of tension but there's never anything said about really why the older sister's that annoyed with the youngest the, with the brother other than oh he's throwing away his future you know these kind of fragmented irritations yeah. and it all comes out in something that's nothing to do with anything just biting on a bit of shot and being kind of pissed off that no one is that interested in it yeah and it's also interesting that maybe the the uh, the underside of repression mm-hmm. is sublimation mm-hmm. into some form of work or some form mm-hmm. of art or something and they're going to this to this island i'm not mm-hmm. sure if it's, it's an, an island, island or something, yeah, but yeah. with an art instructor yeah yeah so they're not saying anything to each other that is meant it's to be said but yeah. they're painting it's interesting because the the Very mother is um into kind of drawing as a as a hobby and the artist asks it asks her oh, what does your husband think of of um of your your interest in art does he does he like it or and she her responses are really interesting she kind of says oh i think i you know i, do, I think he maybe likes it because i i do it it's just this really roundabout response yeah. but almost yeah perhaps she's beating she's around the bush yeah. <laughs> beating around i know it's interesting the whole film is like beating around the bush yeah, yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. whole scene where beaters are like <laughs> beaters are the, the guys who go out and um make noises and evoke pheasants to like fly up to be able to be shot by the people who are shooting so yeah the whole thing is speaking about the bush but it's yeah it's interesting because we talked about um you know forward moving narrative in other podcasts and how uh how narrative works and we'll talk about a bit more but yeah this this film is all about it's like an inverse narrative where it's all about nothing the other kind of massive explosion that happens in 
uh, well, I say a massive, it's all very muted explosion that happens in archipelagos. They go out for lunch to a restaurant and they're the only clients there. It's a very barren, empty place. And there's a whole dance around where should we sit or who should sit where, which table should you go to. But the older sister orders guinea fowl and um, the guinea fowl comes pink and she thinks it's undercooked and she asks to see the cook and she kind of complains and very withdrawn way of complaining and asks for soup instead and the older brother doesn't say anything but just stands up and leaves yeah yeah yeah, yeyeah. yeah. do you think that so you're saying that well the the end of this film Mm -hmm. sort of like a return to what it was in the beginning Mm -hmm. so it's almost kind of like tragedy well it's interesting because i feel like tragedy is um lost potential so within yeah. a story, you have potential for some other world being set up and then that potential is withdrawn in the end. So something like uh, A Star is Born, you have this great potential of the relationship and then that whole future is taken away by the act of suicide. So I wouldn't say it's tragedy. I'd just say it's it's like, um, what's the word? I just mean tragedy in the sense that like there's a journey, mm-hmm. but the end point is the same as a starting point. I think that could be quite good. I think it's it's a word that I want to use beginning with C. Ah. That expresses it. Oh, God. It's going to have my tongue. Um, consolation. Consolation. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's kind of fine, you know? Yeah. There's like you, like something comforting about it. There's something comforting, yeah. That it, nothing really... Nothing needs to change. It's fine. Nothing else to change. Yeah. It's fine. Do you like, for example, the end of say like i don't know there would be blood mm-hmm. where it's just like it completely leaves you hanging yeah uh it doesn't have some kind of resolution there's no closure um you know things kind of continue on mm-hmm. going the same same could be said maybe of like movies where, where the villain wins mm-hmm. what do you think about like movies that end like i that? don't really it, have an opinion about any kind of ending i think any kind of ending is fine mm-hmm. you know obviously we've talked about films that are within ideology and films that like elucidate ideology maybe there's a difference there in terms of what is more quote-unquote useful yeah but yeah i think it's fine to have like escape and a crutch and like a fantasy that things can turn out good in some instances and sometimes not you know but i mean i i think you know if we were to talk about like film as some kind of medicinal thing that we have to take to correct ourselves and to have some kind of message i think yeah, yeah like no changes probably but i don't think like storytelling is necessarily for that you know yeah we've talked in a couple of previous episodes about repression being sort of like what creates mm-hmm. our reality mm-hmm. uh, repressing something mm-hmm. is what constructs how we experience exactly, the world exactly uh do you think that maybe in this case in archipelago the construction of that repression is valid or maybe not valid because there's i guess not like a valid uh uh construction anyway mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i don't know just it it does seem kind of like tragic to me for some reason <laughs> yeah i do i feel like you know british repression is so generative you have like literally the best comedy mm-hmm. i think in the world because it come which comes out of these people you know it's kind of i guess tragic figures potentially you have the we talk a lot about Peep Show. Have you seen oh, yeah, Peep yeah, yeah. Show? You've seen an episode of Peep Show. One of the main characters, Mark, and the comedy comes from his inner world versus his outer world. His inability to address his kind of desires. His inner world says what he wants, and he can never enact it. 
it provides humor for a lot of people. Yeah. And Britain has uh, generated a lot of things, lots of creation. I feel like, you know, the, a whole strata of people from the UK are sent to certain schools at a certain age. I went to boarding school at seven. And these schools basically teach you how to sublimate, how to repress, yeah. um, to, to, to push all kind of as those aspects of yourself into creation, into achievement, which is not good, but it's not, not good. Yeah. You know, I was really resentful of going for boarding, to boarding school for 10 years for so many years of my life. And um, I think I came to a point where I was, you know, it's just a way of being in the world. So particularly, I think for people that are trying to sublimate, mm -hmm. a lot of people misunderstand or they think that what's getting in the way mm -hmm. of them being able to create something is that they haven't seen the world enough or they haven't okay. said enough or they mm -hmm. haven't like really gone deep into mm -hmm. understanding mm -hmm. themselves in some way that mm -hmm. uh, uh, confronts repression. Mm -hmm. Do you think then that maybe there should be an underside to that that says like it's okay that in fact the fact that you haven't gotten what you want and the fact that you you're 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 still away from it keeps your desire flowing and that's what eventually is going to lead to, to yeah to yeah absolutely creating. i think yeah there's there's an element of i think we're talking about the lost object here yeah um but i think repressions and boundaries can be the most generative yeah i think that people sometimes have an illusion that art is something that just flows out of you that oh it's because you artists are at touch with in touch with some kind of oneness or their boundaries are lowered and therefore they are cre they can create some kind of truth that is natural and normal and own outflowing of the universe because they have boundaries that, that you know they they have rid themselves of repressions I'm not sure that I agree with that. And I think that repressions can be very generative and yep. certain structures and techniques and being able to use and master one's own repressions. Filling the blanks. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know fill in the blanks, but um, borders can create, you know, do you have a, do you have a, a painting if you don't have borders around it, you know? Mm -hmm. You have to have some kind of limits around which to orientate yourself. Like a shaping limit. Yeah, sh shaping limit, yeah. yeah. It's interesting, um, the language that they use in this film. I don't know if you noticed it. There's a tendency for a certain type of English person to say the word sort of. Like kind of here. Yeah, and I actually was saying kind of about 100 times. I think I counted myself already saying it. Yeah. So I'm like, I am one of those people. But um, they they say sort of, sort of, sort of like that yeah. every other word. And it's... Uh, kind of a hedging of a, hedging one's bets. One can't actually express one's own feelings. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Of, I just did it there. <laughs> stand, <laughs> stand away from like living into what your actual opinion is. You sure. Know, the, the discussions are sort of. It's like creating sort, distance sort of, between you of, and your your yeah, opinion. Yeah, yeah, you and your opinion, which is not necessarily a good thing. But I don't think that necessarily not doing that is some kind of magical solution either. Yeah, because I've also met people that you know. It's not that they don't say sort of or kind of, mm -hmm. but they do seem very... I mean, I was hanging out with this guy the other day that just cuts through the conversation mm -hmm. with these things that he's saying that are very... Sometimes very shameless, mm -hmm. sometimes kind of disturbing. Mm -hmm. And... But I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure that I would say that he's unrepressed. Well, this is exactly 
what I think I was getting, what we were going to get at early on the podcast, the idea that we think when we aren't obviously repressed in this traditional way of, oh, we can't express our emotions, that we aren't repressed. But there are so many forms that repression can take. We talked about um, in a previous episode, the idea of sex as a phenomenon today and how boundaries we are almost more boundaried now in this world that is very sexually quote unquote open we're talking about the the primary boundary of oneself and the other and needing permission to cross that boundary and the, yep. you know this idea that the 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 that the protection of the self in the sexual act is now kind of this huge iron wall yeah. um so all the repressions have come to the very border of the person um but people people use repressions in many ways i know somebody who who has this persona of being very open and honest and at one with themselves and just says it how it is but it's almost to to the extent that it's a persona hiding yep. actually what she probably really thinks or sure. how depressed she is really and often yeah. we mistake happiness for unhappiness we talked about that in a previous podcast yeah. are you familiar with the idea of a purity ring well or yes culture well, this is something you'd know a lot more about than me but yeah i mean this is a really fascinating concept i had one you what yeah 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 yeah. Were you well one you of know these no sex up... before marriage people sorry did you were you like one of these no sex before marriage people well you know i i'm not sure that <laughs> i'm not sure that i had that idea and i really mm -hmm. had it close to my heart but it was definitely something that was part of the community that so was... all the women go hot for it for adrian who is not not on the market <laughs> <laughs> no but it was like you it, can't touch this <laughs> no, no i mean these are kind of like the beliefs that are delegated to you from yeah. your parents yeah and i mean a lot this happens a lot that your parents believe certain things that maybe they don't even mm -hmm. completely like take responsibility for them but they want the kids to like uh, to um approve them mm -hmm. or to prove the, the the validity of of the of the belief yeah but you know i think that it's pretty clear now that if you want to have a really wild time you should get a purity ring well yes uh, this is something that's been talked about by beat quite a lot yeah yeah absolutely it's uh that which well you only want what you can't have mm -hmm. and uh apparently i don't i really don't know the actual statistics but millennials are the most chaste generation you know sex okay. is so ubiquitous that nobody's actually having it in real life mm -hmm. except for the fundamentalists and the <laughs> yeah, yeah people who wait until they're married um yeah there's something profoundly unsexy about things that are in the public realm related to sex yeah. sex is all about you know you look at someone like dita von Tees, it's all about the hiding the covering over yeah. that is attractive rather than the you know you have a woman dressed in some nice outfit versus just seeing pure genitals Completely, <laughs> i don't think yeah. it's attractive at mm -hmm. all yeah um yeah and this it's interesting the idea and zizek's talked about this a lot of the, the hippie parent yeah the hippie parent almost being worse than the conservative parent oh, the postmodern dad yeah yeah and i do know some hippie parents that talk to their children so openly about sex that i just cannot imagine those children will if you're ever seeing, enjoy yeah. sex ever again yeah yeah, yeah. if you're seeing everything mm -hmm. desire doesn't flow because you're not you're not embedding your fantasies into what you can't see 
Mm-hmm. So if you're, if they're, if you, I mean, what you're talking about right now, I think, I think it's like a burlesque kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. So if you're watching a burlesque show, the reason why it's arousing probably is because you're filling in the blanks for something that you're not seeing. Yeah. Whereas if you're seeing a completely naked body, mm-hmm. uh, there's really no room for you. You're not participating with the with the, like your fantasy is mm-hmm. not involved. You sound like and, Roland Bart right now when he's talking about the pleasure of the text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but yeah, I mean, I, agree I, with you, yeah. I mean, Zizek talks about this where it's like you can have a couple having sex, mm-hmm. but really they're they're masturbating because mm. you're 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 having sex with the other person, but at the same time you need this overarching fantasy mm-hmm. that is composed by certain memories that you have of the person that you're mm-hmm. probably having sex with which is a certain moment like a, a certain smile that turned mm-hmm. you on at some point or a body part that you really mm-hmm. like or i don't know but you're I filling think, in the blank mm-hmm. i think most people have sex with their eyes closed which probably says <laughs> something um you know and they're projecting in their mind or with fantasy. the lights the lights off the lights off mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting. Um, th- this this a- idea that Freud, I think we've said this already, is uh, is a man that is obsessed with sex and that sees sex everywhere. But the irony is that actually in a Freudian reading, humans can't have sex. Yeah. You know, we when it's purely biological, we're yeah. not turned on. There's something supplementary to sex that comes in and fantasy. And fantasy mm-hmm. is things that aren't real and aren't really there. Yeah, We were at this um, modern art thing the other day it was in a hotel mm-hmm. and they had various exhibitions in various rooms in a hotel. And one room was just a uh, <laughs> photographs of large older women. Yeah, quote unquote, um, not porno. <laughs> not, yeah, it was, yeah it's, it's not that kind of yeah. exposure. It's not sexy. I mean, not so, you know. Yeah. There's potentially a whole other. There's well. actually, I mean, we could probably leave this for the next episode, mm-hmm. but there's a great example of that and Blade Runner. Yes. Which I won't talk about because... I wonder what it is. You're leaving me hanging. Are we going to talk about Blade Runner 2049 next time? Yeah, I think we should do that. Absolutely. So basically, what is the parting message of this podcast in relation to the idea of repression and archipelago? What would you say? Well, I think that there's a certain hunger to want to rid oneself of of, uh, or of their repressions. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily think that that's the way to go. Mm-hmm. I think that people get a lot out of their repression. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, obviously, there's toxic repressions that you need to get over. But I don't think that it's necessarily something that you should repeat over and over again, like trying mm-hmm. to like overcome your repressions. Like, yeah. you definitely do. I mean... L- you get life mm-hmm. out of like your life comes out of a lot of rep- yes the primary yeah. nerve the nerve the father yeah absolutely I feel like that the very structure of archipelago this kind of returning to the start people arriving people leaving nothing changes and everything's fine <laughs> <laughs> I will say the idea that the idea that just over the horizon of repression is some utopian world where one will be at one with oneself. Yeah, I mean, it's not... Just won't. Would you say that it's like nothing happens or it's just like, you know, life happens? With the film? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, life happens. Which is, which coincidentally, it's also, it's aesthetic. Just life, you know, Mm -hmm. like what we were saying, just like a fly in the wall, just, you know, I kind of did feel like, oh my God, this is just like watching uh, paint dry. 
There's like, a guy in the UK who actually made an 11 hour film of paint drying just to annoy the uh, ratings agency because they have to watch every minute, second of every film that's you know, made. So he yeah. just. You've had a couple of ideas also that maybe we might do in some future. Of paint drying. <laughs> no, not paint drying, but like, uh, well, I won't oh, say. Oh, well, yeah, 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 I see what you mean, yeah. But the idea that, um, I think we talked about this quotation last time, you know, scratch an aromatherapist and you'll find a fascist. The idea that, mm-hmm. oh, what, so we can turn the idea of repression into a scapegoat mechanism. So mm-hmm. having an ideological totalizing view that, oh, as long as we overcome X, you yeah. know, which in some parts of history has been a certain racial group or whatever, repression. Yep. Um, everything will be sorted out. It will be at one with the universe, will return to this non-existent womb-like state yeah. uh, when we inspire the desire of our primary caregivers. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. So we have to kind of enjoy our repressions and use our repressions and make the most of our repressions. Yeah. Because they're I very think- generative. Yeah, I think we're going to be coming back to this theme a lot during mm-hmm. the, the the length of the podcast, but it's this investment from the idea that something can fulfill you in a way that is transcendent. Yeah, transcendent. And, you know, this is this is the, that was the whole thing of 68 mm-hmm. that, you know, anti-repression and trying to get to the bottom of like what's going on in what you don't want to see. Something that maybe doesn't work. The spirit works now, but it's, you know, the rules of the game are different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and I think yeah. this is one of the, the big things. And it's yeah, like accepting the repressions that we have. I think, uh, yeah, we can really see in our contemporary system and in advertising and corporate world and industry, the idea of not being repressed has been taken on by the, not even system, but the, like, the libidinal Mm-hmm. structure that exists yeah so the idea i mean you see television oh characters often of oh i'm just or you even see these public figures where i own my anxiety i'm completely honest i own my anxieties or i am an, a woman who is an asshole hear me roar you know as if like just by admitting one's repressions one overcomes it or kind of but it, but it the texture is just the yeah. same I'm yeah, yeah. not making that much sense, but we'll get into all these things. <laughs> no, no, I think I think it was pretty good. I yeah, like that. Across the, these podcasts. Anyway, we should probably end it there because we are going for dinner. All right. Okay. Yeah. See you guys See you next, next time. time. Bye.